It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Tuesday, June 30th, 2020. On this day in 2007, Kafil Ahmed and Bilal Abdullah drove a Jeep Cherokee filled with propane canisters and barrels of gasoline into the entrance of Glasgow Airport in a failed terrorist attack. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm covering the 2007 attempted airport attack in Scotland. 28-year-old Kafil Ahmed and 27-year-old Bilal Abdullah hatched the plan as part of a larger terror plot in the UK. Let's go back to the morning of June 30th, 2007, at the Glasgow Airport in Paisley, Scotland. The school semester had just ended, and the airport was crowded with passengers traveling for the coming vacation. It was one of the busiest days of the year at the airport. Over 4,000 travelers were inside the terminal, gathered around the ticketing counters, and moving throughout the airport in search of their gates. People hurried with baggage and tickets in hand, but everything came to a chaotic halt when the airport's glass doorway shattered. A dark green Jeep Cherokee drove into the airport entrance and crashed into a concrete pole. In the confusion, it wasn't initially clear whether the event was an accident or a terrorist attack. But what happened next removed any doubt. The Jeep's passenger, Bilal Abdullah, began throwing Molotov cocktails while the driver, Kafil Ahmed, exited the burning Jeep and set himself on fire. The self-immolating motorist then rushed to the back of the vehicle where more fuel canisters were stored. The situation could have been catastrophic if a number of individuals hadn't stepped up. Stuart Ferguson, an off-duty police officer, quickly extinguished Kafil Ahmed. Heating engineer Michael Kerr, taxi driver Alex McElveen, and a baggage handler named John Smeaton also fought back against the would-be terrorists. Alex McElveen kicked the Jeep's driver, Ahmed, in the groin so hard that he tore a tendon in his foot. When the police arrived, two officers sprayed Ahmed with canisters of pepper spray, but he kept fighting. It took another civilian, Stephen Clarkson, to bring Ahmed down. In the melee, Clarkson was also hit with pepper spray, but he squinted through it and hit Ahmed in the chest, knocking the driver to the ground. Clarkson then stood on Ahmed's legs while police handcuffed the badly burned terrorist. Clarkson later told reporters, quote, 
He'd been doing these commando-style moves to fight off the police, but I grew up in Glasgow. It seemed natural to me that a wee forearm smash would sort it out. Ahmed and Abdullah were in custody, but their motives for the attack initially remained a mystery. The scope of their planned violence was senseless and incomprehensible. It was the first international terrorist attack to target Scotland, but it wasn't the first time Ahmed and Abdullah had orchestrated a violent attack on a civilian population. As police would learn over the coming days, the two men were also responsible for a failed bomb plot in London the previous day. They'd loaded two Mercedes vehicles full of gas canisters and over 2,000 two-inch long nails and parked them outside a nightclub in London's bustling West End neighborhood. The cars were parked separately, with the attackers hoping that one initial explosion would send panicked pedestrians fleeing past the second car, which would then explode as well. They used a cell phone detonator to set off the shrapnel bombs. Thankfully, faulty wiring prevented them from killing or maiming hundreds of potential victims. Police discovered the vehicles and noticed that the cell phones wired to both devices had numerous missed calls, indicating that the detonators had failed. But what could have motivated Ahmed and Abdullah to plan these senseless attacks? Coming up, the aftermath of the failed terrorist attacks and the ideologies that spurred Ahmed and Abdullah to action. Now, back to the story. On June 30th, 2007, Kafil Ahmed and Bilal Abdullah drove a Jeep Cherokee loaded with fuel into the entrance of the Glasgow airport. A concrete pole in the entrance prevented the two from driving inside the terminal. They began throwing homemade gasoline bombs, and the driver, Kafil Ahmed, doused himself in fuel and lit himself on fire before charging towards police and civilians. It was remarkable that no one was killed in the airport attack. Authorities believe that if the concrete post hadn't stopped the Jeep, and if Ahmed and Abdullah had succeeded in driving through the doorway and fully entering the airport with their vehicle, the death toll would have been significant. The 28-year-old driver, Ahmed, suffered burns covering 90% of his body after he tried to weaponize himself as a human torch. He was in critical condition after the attack and remained hospitalized for a little over four weeks before he died of his injuries on August 2, 2007. The other attacker, 27-year-old Bilal Abdullah, was taken into custody at the airport. He was charged with conspiracy to murder and two counts of conspiring to cause explosions. During his trial, Abdullah's motives came into focus. He was born in the UK to Iraqi parents. The family returned to Baghdad when Bilal was five years old. He tried to move to England as a young man, but the cost of living forced him to return to Iraq. He graduated from the University of Baghdad's medical school in 2004 as the country slipped into chaos and violence after the U.S. military toppled Saddam Hussein's presidency. 
Abdullah blamed Western nations like the United States and the United Kingdom for the violence that swept through Iraq. When his close friend at the University of Baghdad was killed by a violent militia, Abdullah became increasingly militant in his anger and resentment towards the West. He joined an insurgent group there for three months before concluding that his British passport and his status as a doctor would allow him to inflict greater damage in the UK. He denied that he was affiliated with insurgents in Iraq, but authorities found a prepared suicide note that included a statement of support to the soldiers of the Islamic States of Iraq. In court, Bilal Abdullah acknowledged that he was a terrorist, but he argued that the British military had also committed acts of terrorism in Iraq. He said that the attacks were meant to give the UK, quote, a taste of fear, reiterating that the car bombs were intended to cast light on the invasion of Iraq and the subsequent violence and chaos that overtook the nation. During the trial, it was revealed that Bilal Abdullah had been on an MI5 watch list for up to 13 months before the attacks, but the government did not have any evidence in advance that Abdullah was planning the bombings. The court proceedings wrapped up in Woolwich Crown Court on December 17, 2008. Justice McKay sentenced Abdullah to life in prison with a minimum of 32 years to be served. While he handed down the sentence, Justice McKay told the defendant that he had justifiably strong reasons for opposing the war in Iraq, but chided Abdullah that his motives did not justify his actions. He said, quote, you were born with intelligence and you are a trained doctor. All of the evidence makes you a very dangerous man. You pose a high risk of serious harm to the British public in your present state of mind. The only possible sentence on each of these two counts is a life sentence. Though the Glasgow airport bombing was the first major international terrorist attack targeting Scotland and the first terrorist vehicle ramming attack in the UK, it sadly wasn't the last time that innocent people were subjected to these types of horrific acts. The event led to heightened security, increased blockades outside the airport, and a greater awareness of the threat of extremist activity. But the bravery of the civilians who thwarted the attack proved to be a rallying point in the UK. The airport baggage handler, John Smeaton, who helped subdue the attackers, was a celebrated hero in the media after the incident. His quote during a television interview became a point of pride across Scotland. He summed up the Scottish attitude towards terrorism by saying, quote, Glasgow doesn't accept this. This is Glasgow, we'll set about ye. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. 
Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Brian Petrus, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Richardson.